Hey, I want you to uh, look at someone on your right or your left and get a partner. This is a partner activity here. And um, I want you to think about what you want for Christmas in your head. Get that visual in your head. And then I want you to look at this person who is now your partner. And I want you to show them the face that you would make when you open that present and it's not what you have in your head. Go. All right, it's supposed to be a facial expression. Apparently, several of us feel the need to justify our facial expression with words. I, it just is what it is. Um, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, just dig into God's Word a little bit here on Christmas Sunday. And uh, we're going to do that, and we're going we're gonna to think about, uh, man, what happens when the plan changes? What happens when things don't go according to that you know, uh, fairy tale story that we have in our head. What, what, like, what is the impact of that in our lives, and how do we respond to that? So uh, we're going to do that uh, through a text in Luke chapter one, where Gabriel brings uh, good news to to Mary. And uh, if you've got a, a, a smartphone with you, we uh, we're actually on the Bible app. You can find notes for the sermon in there. Follow along with us. Uh, you can download that, or if you've got it, you can go to the events tab inside of that. And uh, that'll be up for a couple days so that you guys can take notes and, and see what's going on in that. And uh, while you're finding that, I just want to read this passage of Scripture and then pray for our time in the Word, all right? Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And then the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her, who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Well, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. Father, we do just thank you for your word. It teaches us truth, reframes our perspective, changes our lives. And this morning, God, as we consider this good news from Gabriel to Mary and eventually to us, we pray, Father, that it would pierce our hearts and that it would change us, that, oh, man, this, the love of Christ that came on Christmas would compel us to have great faith, to have humble spirits, and to be super courageous because of the courage of your son, Jesus. 
Thank you for coming, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I ask you to uh, participate in that, that activity because I, I wanted to share uh, one instance of that for me. I remember uh, I was, I think, a freshman in high school, somewhere around that age, and all I wanted for Christmas was a PlayStation. Not a PlayStation 2 or 4 or a PlayStation View, like a PlayStation. <laughs> Uh, and, and that was the one thing that I'd wanted. I, I thought, you know, when mom and dad ask, that's the only thing I'm going to ask for, and maybe they'll get the hint that that's all that I want. And I did that knowing that mom and dad had a strict no video game policy. <laughs> that laugh was evil. I, sidebar, mom and dad, if you're listening, it still rubs me the wrong way that after I left the house, kids got video games. But that Christmas, I did not get a PlayStation. And I can remember, um, I, I don't remember what I got. Okay, I remember what I didn't get, which was a PlayStation. And I can remember, you know, I, I had all of Christmas Day planned out in my head. We were going to play Madden on the PlayStation. I had the tournaments drawn out for me and my brothers. It was going to be amazing. And there was no PlayStation. All the plans changed. Everything was different. Uh, it messed me up way more than it should have, quite honestly. Uh, and, and, and the question that, that I had to wrestle with then, that I've wrestled with in different times in my life, and I think many of us have wrestled with, is what do we do when life doesn't go as planned? When life doesn't go according to that script in our head, what, what do we do? And I think for so many of us, we feel paralyzed by our past and frightened of our future. In those moments where everything is kind of up for grabs, it's changing, we, weren't, we didn't see that coming, uh, we begin to think about what was and what will be, and both of those things kind of freak us out a little bit. We're paralyzed by our past, and, and we look at it, and we're thinking, I just don't even know how I can go forward at this point. And, and then we look at the future, and we're afraid of what, what could happen or what might happen. I can remember back uh, to the, the emotional roller coaster of Caitlin's pregnancy with Tinley. And just in case anyone is wondering, that's my emotional roller coaster, not hers, mine. She was great through the pregnancy. But there were days uh, on that emotional roller coaster that I was absolutely scared to death of having a child. If you've had children and you think back to that first pregnancy, maybe you can relate. And in those moments where I was afraid of the future, I, I would mindlessly wonder if we could just press pause on it all for a little, like, can we go back? Like, can we, can we take that back? And of course, you can. Now, almost seven years later, there are days that I feel paralyzed by my past because I see Tinley wrestling with some of the same stuff that I had to in my life. Some of the same habits or hang-ups, sins that I've struggled with. I can see those emerging in Tinley's life, and I, I feel paralyzed some days by that. I wish that she didn't have to deal with my stuff. It's the ever-changing dynamics of being a parent. Whether your kids are big or small, those dynamics can lead us to feeling paralyzed by our past or frightened by our future. And when I think about those kinds of things, and then I think about Mary's life, Mary's plan was changing too. I'm sure that Mary had dreamed of being a mom. She was a girl. But I bet that her dream included a love story, right? She, she wanted those things to go the right way. She, she wanted to meet her husband, and, and she dreamt of the day when they would share in the joy of finding out they were pregnant. I don't know how they did that in those days, but I'm sure she dreamt of it. 
she probably had Pinterested lots of ideas for the gender reveal in Nazareth. I don't know. However you dream about being a mom in Bible times, I'm sure that Mary had done it. She had dreamt of raising this child together as husband and wife. And then the angel Gabriel shows up. And he says, well, I've got good news. Congratulations. You're going to be pregnant. You're the lucky winner of carrying God's son. You're like, oh, yeah, that would be amazing. But put yourself in Mary's shoes. That wasn't her dream. Sure, it was a good thing, but it wasn't what she had in mind. Wait, that's not what I asked for for Christmas. Mary asked the angel, we read in the text, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? And if I'm reading between the lines, I can imagine that flood of emotions that we're talking about, right? Paralyzed by our past, frightened of the future, wondering what others are going to say in future days about her pregnancy, afraid even of her her own family and the fact that maybe they disown her because they don't understand how she could be pregnant without having had sexual relations. Paralyzed by her past because this wasn't the dream that she had planned. And, And in the moment, she's too stunned to say anything. This changed everything. Well, none of us in this room have been confronted with carrying the baby Jesus. But all of us have had moments in life where the dreams that we had dreamed changed. We've had moments that haven't gone according to script. We've had moments where we're paralyzed by our past and frightened by our future all at the same time. Maybe we've lost a loved one too soon. Maybe we're saddled with a bill that we can't afford to pay. We go to the doctor expecting one kind of news and, and we get news that we weren't ready for. Maybe a child has slipped through our fingers. A relationship has blown up in our face. Maybe this Christmas just hasn't gone according to plan. Maybe this specific week has just been way more than what you'd bargained for. All of us have moments in life where the dream that we dreamed has changed. And in those moments, as humans, our emotions tell us that we are paralyzed by our past and frightened of our future. And they cause us to pause and and ask some bigger questions, to, to maybe ask questions like Mary was asking. How can this be? Where is God in all of this? And maybe, where am I with God? And then sometimes those questions begin to spiral and we even begin to question God himself. God, do you really love me? Did you not get inside of my brain and and know the dream that I was dreaming? Are you really there? And in these moments, we must remember that Gabriel's news to Mary is also good news to us. Because the cross connects God's past to our future. The cross connects God's past to our future. Verses 31 through 33, Gabriel, he's he's pretty strong. And he says to Mary, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. This is Jesus in the cradle, right? You're going to have a baby. His name will be Jesus. He's going to be the Son of God. But then he goes on. 
He says, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. This is Christ the King. The one who will reign forever, who has a kingdom that doesn't end. We can't even understand that, but we can, we can trust that and have faith that, that the God we serve is going to be the king of a kingdom that will never end. Jesus will be born. He will be the king. And Mary's question is maybe the question of all of us, but how? How does all of that happen? How do we get from the cradle to the crown? No one, no one would have guessed that the answer to that question was the cross. The most loving act in the history of humanity. Mary herself, who was carrying Jesus, could not have imagined that God's perfect past would be connected to you and I's future by a torturous and gruesome yet incredibly loving death on a cross. She couldn't have pictured it. There's no way. Love came in the cradle, and and love will happen under his crown. Everything will be made right. But love became real on the cross. You see, Christmas, to have meaning, cannot be separated from the cross. The angel said at the birth of Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus himself said, speaking just before his death, for this cause I was born. He was the only person in history who was born with the purpose of dying. The Apostle Paul would years later say, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You see, the central message of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, can transform both individuals and society as a whole. Almost everyone at some time or another feels moral guilt and and failure. In every newspaper or magazine or, or TV show or social media post that we look at, every newscast we watch, we see a picture of hate and lust and greed and prejudice and corruption, and it's manifested in thousands of ways. The very fact that we have policemen and jails and military forces indicate that something is radically wrong with human nature. And the Bible teaches that the human race is morally sick. This disease has affected every phase of our life and society, and it calls this ugly disease by the three-letter word of sin. And the Bible teaches that the only cure for sin is the blood that Christ shed on the cross. Christ became the Lamb of God who bled and died on the cross for our sins. It is his death on the cross that attaches his perfect past to your future. You see, his death wipes away the guilt and sin and moral corruption of your past, and it replaces it with his perfect past. And that perfect past, which is his, he lovingly gives to you, and it guarantees that you have a spot in his kingdom forever. The cross and the resurrection stand today as our only hope. And from these great events, God is saying to a sinful man, I love you. I love you so much that I gave my son. But he's saying so much more than that. He's saying, I can forgive you because of what Christ did on the cross. And this is the good news of Christmas. So the question becomes, what will your response to that good news be when your dreams don't go according to plan? It's great to think about the gospel message. It's great to think that that Christ can forgive us and give us new life. But how will we respond to that good news 
when the dream that we dreamed isn't coming to be? And to that, I say, what was Mary's response? In verse 38, Mary says this, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. You see, this is Mary's new wish. It is her new dream. That her life would be defined and known by living according to the word of God. Before Mary did anything unusual or extraordinary, before she made great sacrifices as the mother of God's child, before she could find the strength to tell her friends and family, she had to dream different. Because you see, love dreams different. It wasn't sacrifice that led her closer to the Lord. It it was her dream and her desire to please the Lord that led to great sacrifice. You see, our sacrifice, our service to the Lord, it doesn't lead to our forgiveness, although we would like to think that it does. The love of Christ is what leads to our forgiveness. And so our dreams must be different when things don't go our way. We must know that the one who loves us enough to forgive us has a plan far better than ours. We must redream the dream because love dreams different. How do we redream the dream? What does it look like to dream differently because of the love of Christ that changes our lives? It begins with a great faith. A great faith that God's plan is better than yours. You know, when I think about Mary's story, she had to lay down this very idea that the plan she had in mind was the right one. She had to lay that down. And so too do we. I love the question that Kenny asked Chris as he baptized him this morning. Do you want to turn from your old life and begin to live a new life in Christ? Can you answer yes to that? Or do you like your dream better? Because redreaming the dream And responding to the love of Christ begins, it begins when we are willing to have a great faith that says that God's plan is better than yours. It begins with a great faith and it continues with a humble spirit. A humble spirit that is willing to listen to God's plan. I love when the angel says to Mary, now listen, (laughs) right? Now listen. And if somebody looks at me and they say, now listen, there's a little bit, like, if I'm honest, like, there's a little bit of, like, oh, okay. What do you have to say to me? Maybe I want to listen, maybe I don't. But she is willing to listen to his plan, despite the fact that, as we read a couple of verses earlier, she's really troubled by the fact that this angel has come to talk to her. And so in a moment where it's hard to listen, where it's hard to let go of the dreams that she's always had, her humble spirit is willing to let her listen one another. Redreaming the dream begins with a great faith, it continues with a humble spirit, and it's finished with a courageous heart. A courageous heart that is willing to, to follow God's plan no matter what is asked. You know, I love Mary's response in verse 38, not because, you know, I mean, like, yeah, it's the perfect response, right? Yeah, I'll be your servant, I'll do whatever. But she has no idea what lays in front of her. She doesn't know how hard the journey to Bethlehem is going to be. She doesn't know what it's going to be like to raise the Son of God, to be misunderstood. She doesn't know what it's going to be like to sit at the foot of the cross and watch her son be tortured and beaten and bloodied for the sake of the world. 
but she says yes anyway. And so as we see this pattern in Mary's life, I want us to think for, for just a few moments of what that means for you and I. In the face of, of your dream being different than maybe what you thought it was one day, can you redream the dream because of the love of Christ? What does it look like for you to increase your faith? What does it mean, what does it look like for you to, to say, I'm going to trust that God's plan is better than mine, and so maybe I'm going to quit trying to do all these things on my own. What does it look like for you to have a humble spirit that's willing to listen to his plan? Are you in his word, hearing from him? Are you spending time with other believers and hearing from them about what it looks like? And do you have a courageous heart that when God speaks, you're willing to go, to serve, to just say yes, not necessarily knowing all of the details? As we think about what that looks like in each of our own lives, I want to really finish with the story of a young man that's inspired me throughout uh, the year 2018. A young man by the name of Tyler Trent. If, uh, if you know me, you know that uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Purdue Boilermaker fan. Love them. And it uh, just so happens that <laughs> this year they've got one of the most storied fans in, in all of college sports. Tyler Trent um, was a Purdue student until just this semester when he was forced to drop out. And he was forced to drop out because he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was the third time that he'd been diagnosed. Each day is more difficult than the last. And he had made the decision over time to uh, really become a, a figurehead for uh, cancer research. But not just for cancer research, but for his savior. And as he does interview after interview, and as he finds ways to get out of his home, and as people interview him, and, and all of these things, he continues to point to the thing that gives him strength. And he says, without, without any hesitation, listen, Christ is my strength. The only reason I'm able to do any of these things is because Christ is my strength. <clears throat> We've got a picture of Tyler and his family. On a side note. He predicted a win against Ohio State for Purdue is a huge win. Moment of the year. It was great. But in the last couple of weeks, the Indianapolis Star, uh, which is Tyler's hometown there in Indianapolis, has asked him to begin writing for them. And I just want to share with you an article that he wrote entitled, Dreams, What Are They? Tyler writes, When you were a little kid, you probably had a dream of growing up and becoming someone special. Could have been a firefighter, policeman, famous singer, or maybe, just maybe, you wanted to become the President of the United States. We all have these big, fantastic job dreams when we're little. For me, I wanted to be a dump truck driver. I know, I know. Probably was not the ideal choice for a six-year-old me. However, I absolutely loved dump trucks and construction videos they were in. I would spend hours upon hours in front of the TV watching construction videos on VHS. Like most, as I grew older, my dreams changed. I can tell you with confidence that I no longer have dreams of driving a dump truck. But I do have dreams of one day graduating college, getting married, and having children. 
Further down on my list of dreams, I would love to publish a book on my story and tell the world of all the amazing things that the Lord has done for me. That and attend a Cubs game at every single Major League Baseball stadium. A few people that might want to join him on that venture. It's going to be a challenge figuring out which of those last couple I should complete first. Tyler continues, the crazy thing about dreams is that they give us purpose in life. Something to work toward or procrastinate from, depending on who you are. Purpose is a universal human need, but that purpose and those dreams can be dashed away in the blink of an eye. That sudden loss of family members, severe illness, diagnosis, loss of a job, you name it. But why? This is a question that I've asked myself several times through the last years. Why would a good, gracious, and holy God want to take away our dreams? Well, these are not typically sinful things. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend hours upon end traveling the country to watch people hit balls with sticks? And Tyler concludes, it's because God wants us dreaming about him. See, it's not what we dream about, it's who we dream about. All that time you spent thinking and dreaming about the perfect summer vacation or the perfect spouse, yeah, God wants you to spend that time thinking about him and digging into his word. Now, I'm, I'm most certainly not saying that God is going to punish you for your wonderful dreams, but let's not fleece ourselves. As with technology, how much time are we spending away from the one who provides us with every breath? Wondering if I will ever graduate college. Wondering if I ever will be able to publish a book or attend Cubs games at every Major League Baseball stadium. And then the realization comes. If I was able to constantly change what I wanted to be as a little kid, why can't I do it just now? Because I have certainly been admitted into one of the best universities in the nation. I certainly have had the blessing of attending several Cubs games when many fans have yet to see one. I certainly have impacted others through Facebook and carrying bridge posts. I certainly have been declared cancer-free before. When we change our perspective on our dreams, we realize that it was not God who blocked those dreams. He just morphed them into his perfect plan. And then he writes an excerpt from the book, I'll Probably Never Finish. clarity of knowing that the God of the universe created him with a purpose and a plan that he may not understand but that he can live and dream about from day to day that is a picture of a love that dreams differently and so I ask us what if we all changed our dream what if instead of dreaming of our perfect life, we dreamed of the one who gives us life? What could he do if we were all dreaming about him together? What if instead of us trying to figure out God's dream plan for me, we dreamt together about God's plan for us? What if dreaming different today meant allowing God to have his way in your life in those pivotal moments of change? no longer harboring the bitter resentment of loss, but dreaming of a day when Christ would restore it all and we would see clearly the plan that he has for us. In those moments, love would happen because love 
dreams differently. So today, as the band comes back up, as we celebrate and remember the fact that Jesus came, 100% God, 100% man, he came and was born and lied in a manger. Man, we get to respond to that good news that Gabriel first told to Mary. The Son of God was coming to be born as a baby and that he would one day be king. But standing right in the middle of all of that is the cross of Christ whose love connects his past to our future. As we respond, I want you to think about responding in one of the ways that we talked about. Maybe today you need to respond by placing your faith in God. Maybe for you today that's the first time. Maybe for you today this is like, man, I quit believing in God. I started trusting myself more than God, and I want to, I want to turn and leave that old life behind and, and find Christ again. If that's you today, you can, you can spend time praying to God right where you are and confessing that truth to him that, God, I want to believe in you. I, I'm placing my life in your hands. I'll be in the back if you'd like to talk through that or if you want to do that in your chair and then come celebrate that with me. Maybe for some of us, our response to the good news today is to join Mary in having that humble spirit of listening to God. And I know of no better way to humble ourselves before the Father as baptized believers than to take part in the Lord's Supper. Here at Christ Community, we invite all those who've been baptized and who believe in Christ to come forward, take a piece of the bread that represents Christ's body and dip it in the juice that represents Christ's blood. And in those moments to simply listen, to be humble before him and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Have your way in my life, just as Mary said, right? I want to live my life according to your word. And maybe today your response is that of the third one, of a courageous heart. And as you take those steps of faith and of humility in taking the Lord's Supper, you realize that God has a plan that he's calling you to. He's asked you to do something. Maybe like Gracie, he's asked you to be kind to a neighbor. Maybe like Gracie, he's asked you to go tell it on the mountains to someone who needs to hear it. But as God speaks clearly to your heart, have the courage to leave this place and take action on the things that God has called you to. And that is a response to the word just as much as the other. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to respond with faith in God, with humble spirits and courageous hearts. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for connecting your past in its perfection to our future. We no longer have to be paralyzed by the things in our past that are wrong, that make us guilty. We don't have to be afraid of what's in the future because we know that you hold the future. It's in your hands. As we think about those things, we can just dream differently with you. And so, God, I pray for the people that are gathered here this morning that your spirit would lead them in this time of response. I pray that you would speak to us uh, continually. You've spoken to us in your word, and we pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us. Father, I pray for those in this place that 
have never given their lives to you. They've never really lived by faith. And I pray that this morning you would call them to yourself in, in such a real and tangible way that, that they would know they have to give their lives over to you before they leave this place. Father, as we sing of your son, Jesus, being born in a manger, pray that you would transform us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for dying, for living again, for being the king, not only of our hearts, but of this world. We trust ourselves to you today, in Jesus' name, amen.